I felt so ashamed. I felt like I would disappoint. I felt like I would be disowned by my family if I shared it with them. And so I decided to seek help, seek treatment and deal with the process on, on my own. And I'm, I'm very lucky, I'm very fortunate in which I, they were able to detect my cancer early on. Hello, my love, and welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. My name is Melissa Martin. I am a business and embodiment coach and creator of the Boldly Courageous community. Just like you, I've walked through some dark seasons in life and I know what it's like to start over again and write a new story. This podcast is here to activate you, to show you what's possible when you embody your power and walk with courage and fear in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. Each week, you will hear authentic conversations with thought leaders and visionaries as we dive deep into topics such as spirituality, business, money, relationships, sexuality, and so much more so that you can fully embody your boldly courageous self. Are you ready? Let's drop in. Hey, real quick before we dive into the episode, I need to let you know about something really, really special to me. So if you're anything like me and you've had this calling on your heart to start a podcast, but you have no idea where to start, I want to introduce you to the incredible team that I have worked with literally from day one of launching Boldly Courageous over at Podcast Co. They have just released a self-paced course called Launch Your Fucking Podcast. This program will literally take you through step-by-step of launching your podcast from start to finish. You will learn everything about how to create and find the foundation and mission of your podcast, how to come up with the perfect name, get super clear on your audience and the structure of your show. Also, you will learn how to record, how to produce, how to edit, and also hosting, music, creating the perfect cover and building a successful launch strategy. Basically, by the end of the program, you will have launched a podcast that feels authentic and expansive to you, labeling you as the expert that is ready to impact and grow your audience in whatever phase of life they may be at. So all you have to do is go to the link in the show notes, use code boldly courageous at checkout, and you will get a hundred dollars off the launch your fucking podcast course. So now let's jump into the episode. Welcome back to the Boldly Courageous podcast. As always, it is such an honor that you are here with me today. And this guest, this conversation like most of my conversations, I feel like I say this literally on every podcast, but for real, my guest today is a woman by the name of Iman Abbas. And Iman came into my world through social media. I saw a post that she had been tagged in and I started following her brand and her mission. And I was immediately just drawn to her energy and her light and her purpose and everything that she stood for. And so we connected through a brand partnership opportunity for a virtual event that I co-hosted with one of my best friends. It was called Align and Rise. And I, I started to get to know this woman more and her heart and her mission to help women and to break taboos and social norms around femininity and sexuality. I just have literally fallen in love with everything she stands for. And I feel like we were probably soul sisters in another lifetime. But this conversation, we really get deep into breaking taboos. And Iman shares a lot of really personal stories around 
her own experience through divorce, her own experience through her own sexuality and femininity at a very young age, her navigating through cervical cancer and everything that laid the groundwork for her brand Kedish, which you're going to hear a lot more about in the episode. And it's just, we go to so many deep places and she shares so vulnerably what it's like to be a Muslim woman, female founder, building a brand and business around sexuality and feminine health and wellness based in Dubai. And so she is consistently faced with opportunities to meet herself in these experiences, her growth, her mindset, but also breaking taboos from a social perspective, but also breaking taboos from a personal perspective as well. So we go deep in a lot of different areas and I know you are going to love this conversation. And Iman is the founder of a feminine and sexual wellness brand called Kedish. And I have had the opportunity to use the Kedish products. The potion is my favorite product and it's an an oil that you can use to soothe cramps when you're on your period. And it just gives you an opportunity to really pause and be with yourself in a really beautiful and intimate way. And so I am a proud brand partner of Kedish. I love the products. I believe in the brand and the mission, and I only partner with companies and brands that I believe in and that I align with. So if you are curious and you want to try the products, you can go to the link in the show notes. And if you use the code bold 20 at checkout, you'll be able to get 20% off your very first order. So my guest today is Aman Abbas and her life was turned upside down at 21 years old after her very first ever trip to the gynecologist where she was diagnosed with cervical cancer that had been caused by HPV, which is a sexually transmitted infection. Raised in a very strict Arab American home, Iman feared speaking to her parents. So she dealt with the serious of the issue completely by herself, which eventually led to her launch of Kedish, which is a feminine and sexual wellness brand seeking to revolutionize the industry through empowering products, expert advice, and the creation of a strong and supportive female community. Without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Iman. Iman, welcome to the podcast. I feel like you and I connected in such a beautiful way. And I just want to say that I'm so grateful for your willingness to be open to new connections because as a women entrepreneur or an entrepreneur in general and a, and a founder, um, your, I'm sure your bandwidth is, is stretched, but your willingness to connect has been such a blessing in my life. And I feel like we're like soul sisters from another realm. So like, it's been such a... <laughs> such a beautiful experience getting to know you. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. And I definitely feel the same way. I mean, I don't know if it's the mutual friend connection that we discovered where it was probably always meant to be, or the fact that we both are little boss babes trying to make, you know, trying to create world change. I'm not sure, but I love it. And I think this it's, it's so important, right? Creating a community for yourself, especially as an entrepreneur, like, you're so, some parts of the journey are so solo. It's nice to feel like you have those strings attached and you can tug on them and 
pull on support whenever you might need it. So I, mm. I, I do love this sisterhood that we have. <laughs> mm. Amen. Now I wish that we didn't live on opposite sides of the world, but you know, right. that's an excuse for me to come to Dubai. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, what is one boldly courageous thing that you've done recently? Oh gosh. Oh, I feel like this whole year since launching this brand has been one year of boldly courageous moments. Um, I would say recently I decided to take a step, not, I don't want to say a step back, but I decided to remove myself from the familiar world of the hustle and bustle of Dubai. And I decided to go on a solo trip to Bali and it was my first solo trip in a long time after a lot had happened. And I think why it was so courageous is that I, I decided to step away from the day-to-day -day work that I was so maybe a little addicted to. And I, it's something that I felt like I needed to do for myself. I needed to pump energy back into the, into the system. It was, it was the, all, all wires were starting to go down and I'd never done that before. I'd never taken a look at myself and said, this is something that you need to do for yourself. And I did it. And I felt like it was courageous and I, I enjoyed it. And so I'll probably do it again soon. Um, but it was a, it was a first for me. It was mm. a first for me. It was, it was exciting. So had you planned the trip out ahead of time or was it kind of a fly by the seat of your pants and, you know, we'll just figure it out as we go kind of experience? It was, I remember, man, I think I booked my flight two weeks before I left and it was, it was like late at night. I had had a really tough day and I'd, I've always wanted to go to Bali. I've always heard amazing things about the energy in Bali and it's beautiful and I'm a water baby and I love the sun and I just wanted to be somewhere else. And it was like 1136 at night and I started Googling flights. I knew that there was going to be an upcoming holiday, but I was like, you know what? I don't even care if it overlaps over the holiday, like I'm going and I'm going for a while. I booked the trip, it was it was almost three weeks and two and a half of those weeks I was alone. And I remember I messaged my girlfriends the next morning and I just said, hey guys, I booked a trip to Bali. I'm going by myself for the first 12 days. I do not want company. I'm just letting you know. But when the holiday portion comes, you can join me. And, but like, I really need to do this for myself. And they were like, wait, what? <laughs> like they were very confused because I hadn't, I hadn't taken a holiday in almost three years. I hadn't taken time, which I was working while I was there off and on, but um, I think I really, <laughs> really shocked them. It was, yeah, it was quite spur of the moment. And I didn't even really map out the whole trip until I got there. I started to like do research and every day was a new day. And it was very, um, yeah, not what my norm is. My norm is very like routine based, even though every day is very different as a founder. It, my, my day to day is very fixated and routine where this was not, and it, it felt really good. That's amazing. So what do you feel was the result 
of that? Like what's been kind of the aftermath or the aha or kind of what's come to be come to fruition since you since that trip? I think there's been so many lessons learned. Um, I think the first thing is definitely understanding and realizing that in order to show up as your best self, you really need to take the moments to pour back into yourself, to give you energy, to put gas into the tank. You can't wait until you're already at the end of your rope because then you got to put a lot more, <laughs> a lot more gas. And although I feel like it did, it, it, it served its purpose of renewing my energy and getting me focused and giving me a bit more creativity. I think I realized that I need to do that more often and I don't have to fly to Bali to do that. <laughs> I could work things in to my day to day that pours a little bit into my cup every single day. And I need to do that and I need to do that mindfully. I also think, and I, I've shared this before, I also think that it allowed me to reconnect with myself and parts of myself that I feel like I've lost along the way, whether it was through you know, work or relationships, it allowed me to be still with myself. And I, I learned that I really, I really like my own company. And it's, that's a, I feel like as, as a woman, that's a that's a big thing is to like really enjoy solitude and and being with yourself and enjoy your company and have fun by yourself is I think it's a it's it's not easy for a lot of people and I'm I'm happy I was able to see that again. Mm. I agree with that and so I'm curious was there any point in those 12 days where you started to question the decision to be by yourself did you get lonely was there like a you know urge to get some attention from anybody or what was that like? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, 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 I have known this about myself that I really love my alone time. I need my alone time often. I often like protect anywhere from two to three nights out of the week where like I, I have to be alone. And so, but it's usually like, a night, a couple of hours, not 12 full days. And I, I don't think I felt, I did not feel lonely. I did not feel like I was missing something. It would have been nice to me, <laughs> to me, a cute boy. I won't lie. I didn't, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed my, I really enjoyed myself. And, you know, it was the first time I, was allowed that opportunity. I was in a relationship for a very long time. I was in a 13 year relationship. I'm recently going through a divorce and it was the first time where I didn't have to consider someone else. I just got to consider me and what I wanted and where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And there was a lot of joy in that. There was a lot of joy in that. I really, I, I love, I think that, you know, being with someone and sharing experiences with people is very important. It's, I, I really value that in my life, but I also now value being able to experience things on my own. So one of the things I know that um, you're really passionate about and is kind of the foundation of Kedish is breaking taboos. 
and you come from a uh, background that doesn't really uh, embrace breaking taboos too well, right? Um, And this is part of your story. And so you mentioned, you just kind of slid that in there, like going through a a divorce. So if you're open to it, I'd love to hear like, what was that experience like for you um, coming from your, you know, your family of origin and the taboos that, you know, that were there any taboos that you had to kind of break and how did you navigate that? Yeah. Oh man. It's a lot of layers in that, in that question. Um, so in, in my culture, I guess I can go all the way back in my culture. It is very much, um, frowned upon for a Muslim woman to date or to, to casually date, let alone to, uh, get into a relationship with someone that is outside the religion. It is, it is actually against the religion, the Muslim religion for a woman to marry a man or someone else that is not Muslim. And so the entire relationship (laughs) was a taboo from the start. Um, I'm very lucky in a sense that my parents, I don't want to say that they were open. I think they, um, humored me for a while and then when the relationship started to get very serious they were like okay what's going on is he gonna convert and i was like no (laughs) he's christian he's like steadfast in his beliefs etc and so even the act of us becoming engaged getting married it was a huge yeah it was a huge break in terms of like my family's beliefs. And I think it took a lot for them to come to that and to accept it. And, and they did eventually they did. And, um, I think now five years later, cause we were together for 13 years total, but we were married for five years. Um, I think the most challenging part of accepting that that chapter was now going to be closed was not just the history we had and the love that we had for one another, but it was it's like, wow, I worked so hard <laughs> to make this relationship work and happen and become acceptable in my family's eyes and my community's eyes. And now it's just done. <laughs> I don't feel like my efforts were wasted, but it's something that it, it weighed heavy in my heart. And I think the, the most beautiful part of this, although divorce is seen as a taboo in, in our culture, it is common, but it's seen as a taboo. The, the most beautiful part is that my family, my parents, we've come out so much stronger. And I actually think they love me and support me because they saw how hard I fought for the relationship that they just want to be there for me and love on me and yeah, not pass judgment or make it more difficult than it already has to be. So I guess to answer your question in a very long, long drawn out way, I guess I, I went through the taboos in reverse and I'm very lucky that I have a family that is supportive and that's willing to put those judgments aside and just wants to support me through it. Mm. 
That's really beautiful. And uh, I think that's going to give a lot of women who are listening to this permission because there's so much shame and guilt around divorce, right? I know when I went through my divorce prior to it, it was feeling like a failure, feeling embarrassed, feeling like, you know, I had made this promise to this person and, you know, my family was there to witness it and we were, you know, committed until we weren't committed and what, and, you know, I went through like, you know, the checklist of, did I do everything I possibly can, you know? And, uh, I remember being in this place of feeling really guilty and like, um, mourning and grief, like the loss of the relationship and what I thought I wanted. And then feeling really also excited and expansive of like everything that I now had space to create. And it was super confusing, right. Of like, okay, I'm, I feel, I, I felt guilty for feeling good, but then I felt like bad for feeling guilty. Right. It's like such a, such a weird place to be in. Right. Yeah. I think I, I think we all go through every woman that it's, that has experienced maybe not just divorce, but you know, a breakup, a very, um, important relationship we all go through that grieving period i think i still have moments where i feel sadness or i think about like oh you know what if um he's a wonderful person i care very much for him i i wish him the best we did we ended i would say on bad terms but i don't i don't think ill of him um i wish things would have worked out very differently but i also realized that maybe the people that we were becoming, like we met when we were 21, we're now in our 30s, <laughs> mid 30s, um, the people that we were becoming and the dreams that we were chasing, they just, they pulled us apart and it, it's sad and it's unfortunate, but uh, I, I, I don't think that there should be shame and guilt associated to that, that, that sometimes people grow apart and that's, that's okay. That's okay. And maybe they can come back together. I'm not saying that. I don't know if I want, I don't want, I don't want that, but it's okay to, to grow. You should grow. And sometimes you grow in parallel and sometimes you grow apart and that's okay. Yeah. So are you dating now? <laughs> I wouldn't say, okay. Yes. Um, I actually just went on my very first, first date like a month ago. I don't, I don't date often. I haven't really put myself out there. I'm on one dating app and I met this person through the app and it was actually like so nice and very adult. And yeah, it wasn't like a horror. I, I know that there are so many <laughs> horror stories. I think I got very lucky and he's, a wonderful gentleman. I mean, we only went on one date because he doesn't live here in Dubai, but I, I would be open to, to dating him again and dating more. I just, you know, I'm so busy. <laughs> it's hard. I'm sure you understand. Oh, I get it. And I remember my first date. And you think about you were in a relationship for 13 years, like dating is a new experience, right? It's like you have it's like starting a business. There's going to be a lot of bumps in the road and you're going to learn a lot and you're going to figure it out, but, um, there's magic in it. You get to meet mm -hmm. yourself at, like anything, like, um, whether it's a new challenge in your business, I, I see so many parallels between dating and business. It's wild. 
right? right. And every new experience you're, you're met with uh, a whole new opportunity to meet your thoughts and yourself and your standards and um, like your desires and all of that over and over and over again. And each experience is a mirror for you to grow and it can be growth can be painful at times. Right. And it's like, okay, yeah. buckle up. Here we go. I'm walking into the shit show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what am I here to learn? Great. <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah, there's definitely a learning curve for sure. Yeah. I think that that's something that's quite interesting about dating. Um, especially at this age, I don't know. I, I feel like in your, in your to early 20s, maybe the, the playing field is a bit more, I don't know, level or you don't feel like there's a playing field. Like you're all just starting your lives. Where in your 30s, I think it's a whole different ball game. Um, and something that I noticed, and I had to check myself over and over and over again. Um, I, I met this guy on the app, on an app, and you know, you're able to see like, their Instagram and you can Google them. And I did, I did my research and the person is, is quite accomplished and has a very impressive profession. And I found myself going into the day questioning myself, like, am I, you know, am, is he out of my league? Am I worth this person's time? And I was asking, I was talking to my sister. She was like, are you crazy? Like, have, do you remember everything that you've done, or you've been through, or what you bring to the table? Forget like profession, like who you are as a person, your heart, your mind, your values. I don't question that. And I think that that's the most odd thing about dating nowadays is that you can, a Google search can really psych you out <laughs> and can really make you question yourself and give you such imposter syndrome that there is, there are those parallels. The same imposter syndrome that shows up in the boardroom can definitely show up on a, on a cocktail night, you know? <laughs> so I, I really had to check myself. And I, I think that's something that I, I definitely want to be more careful about as I continue to explore this new territory is remembering who the F I am mm -hmm. oh in whatever gosh. room I walk into, you know? Oh my gosh. It's so true. I literally, had this experience similarly like I'm having a conversation on a date and I was like he asked me a question and I was like uh and all my limiting beliefs started to come up about I'm not smart enough I'm not good enough like he's too successful like similarly like what do I like and uh kind of not necessarily like in a competition but like feeling like if I'm not great at these things. Like it's something that I feel insecure about that he's going to judge me for it. Right. But mm -hmm. men feel the same way. Right. Like they meet mm -hmm. women like us that are like, we have our shit together. We're super mission driven. Like we're very independent. We're self-assured, or at least that's the way we, you know, that's how people see us. And like, if you only heard what goes on in my mind, right. right. Um, <laughs> you know, and they, you know, it's like, if, if we're feeling it, chances are they are too, but just in a different way. And my friend Lindsay posted this the other day about her husband and she 
remembered on like a, a date with him, he is really into like politics. He like went to school for poli sci and he was a lawyer at one point and, and really understood politics and she knew nothing about it. And she was like, mm-hmm. um, what did she say? Like, are you like, will you love me if I don't know about politics? And he said, I will love you because of who you are, not because of what you know. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. And that, yeah, I know. I was like, oh, that's so amazing. <laughs> right. And it's, it's true. It just reminds us that like who we are is, is what we bring to the table not what we know. And it's the same thing in business. Right. So I want to talk about, I want to switch gears a little bit because you, your founder story is like one of the most boldly courageous founder stories because you just like, you we're like, here's who I am. It's not necessarily what I know. At least that's the way I perceive your story. And you just went in and you, you were shooting your shot and it, and it worked. So I would love for you to share what it was like for you to break some of the other taboos in starting Kaddish. Cause there was some stuff that you really had to work through with your family, with your culture. And then I want to hear the shoot your shot story. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about taboos and like the, 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 confidence it took to like shoot your shot and, and pitch Kedish. Right. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. There's there. Wow. There's so many. It's like, it's all rushing back into my head. I guess I'll start back at the very, at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, for those that are not familiar with my story, uh, I, like I'd mentioned before, I grew up in a pretty strict Muslim, Egyptian, American household. Um, and, you know, in our household, we, I don't want to say we did not talk about sex. The way that we talked about sex in our bodies was very limited and it did not feel safe or comfortable to question or <laughs> to experiment or like what we talked about was periods, do not have sex. If you have sex, you will get pregnant. The worst possible thing will happen to you. And that's the end of the story. Uh, most of what you know, I actually did learn biologically was either through school textbook sex ed, which was also horrible and very inaccurate, or firsthand experience. And um, at a pretty young age, I was faced with really turning the light on with regards to my feminine, my feminine, my intimate health. And it was at the age of 21, I decided to break a taboo (laughs) and to go see the gynecologist for the very first time. I was away at school and I was in college, like my senior year of college. And I decided to go to the clinic to get it, to get a pap smear. And it's not something that I was ever educated on. It's not something that I knew I had to get, especially when, you know, had to get as I became sexually active. I thought it was something that you do before you want to get pregnant, but I decided to go do it. And I'd been sexually active for a couple of years by that time. And it was actually a result of that very first gynecological exam that I was diagnosed with cervical cancer. So 21, senior in college, about to embark on the rest of my life and boom, I'm hit with the C word, which was terrifying. Um, And because of 
how we grew up and the lack of conversation in our household or the conversations that we did have and how strong they were in terms of, you know, I, I basically broke the cardinal law of a young Muslim girl is to have sex before marriage. And then now to potentially have contracted this because of it, game over. Uh, and I just, I didn't feel comfortable or I, I felt so ashamed. I felt like I would disappoint. I felt like I would be disowned by my family if I shared it with them. And so I decided to seek help, seek treatment and deal with the process on, on my own. And I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm very fortunate in which I, they were able to detect my cancer early on. I only had to go through, um, two rounds of, of cryosurgery to remove the cancer, but it really, it's one of those defining moments, you know, that really turns you on to so much, not just my body and what was going on with my reproductive health, but it just made me aware of the fact that I'm not invincible and that I have to be careful, whether it's what I do with my body or the products that I use or because even that going through treatment, I remember, uh, and this is really what ha what has, that that story, yes, is what has led me to create Kedish, but it was really all of the experiences afterwards, not knowing, not having the education, feeling like I was unaware. Like, what do you mean? What if I never went to go get mm -hmm. <laughs> that first pap smear? What would have happened to me? And then, after that, just realizing that the the intimate care space and the product space, it really lacked um, credibility. I remember very vividly, um, it was a couple weeks after my initial treatment, I went into Target to find an intimate wash and the selection was subpar. The only brands that they had were the brands that you hear about with lawsuits and, you know, causes cancer and, and powder. Like it just, it was, it was awful. And I think that's really what years later eventually led me down the path of creating this brand. I wanted to create a brand that I wish I had going through my experience, not just a brand that creates products and you know, gives women products that she can she can trust and that she feels safe using, but also accompanies that with education and a safe place that she could lean into to to learn and to discuss and to explore and to discover. And you know, when all of this happened, this was before the age of the internet and Instagram. Um, and so I'm very grateful to now be able to create that space, but I didn't have it back then. And so I really, I really just wanted to give women what I felt I was lacking. In creating the brand <laughs> and launching the brand, I, I, it was very important for me to, to share my story because I felt like, you know, what happened to me happens to so many women, women that fear going to the gynecologist, women that fear learning about their bodies, women that fear, you know, if something happens to them, they, they don't seek help, they don't seek um, medical attention. And I, I know that there was going to be a lot of merit in sharing my story. Um, I hadn't shared with my parents 
why I wanted to launch the brand before I started working on the brand. And as I approached launch, launch day and knowing that I was going to share my personal story with the world, but I hadn't shared it with my parents. I knew that I knew that I had to, <laughs> I had to tell them. <laughs> and that was, I think that was really challenging, but also again, another pivotal moment in my relationship with my family um, it was, it was on a zoom call because it was during COVID and I hadn't been home in like a year and I, I, yeah, I just had to bear it all. And I think, um, I think there was like, a, I think there was a lot of sadness felt by my parents. I think my mom specifically, she felt a lot of guilt. Um, we still talk about it to this day that she feels so guilty that she wasn't there for me and i feel guilt for robbing her of of the ability to be there for me like as a mother you you want to care for your daughter and as a daughter you you want your mother to you know to protect you and support you um and i didn't allow that for them and i think that that was a really tough part of the conversation but in creating the brand, in sharing my story with them and with the world, it's made us stronger. And I know that that's not always the case for the women of my culture where the fam the family is, is open and accepting and then moves to support them in action. But with my family, that is, and I hope that we can be an example for, for other families that it's, it's okay to talk about these things and to accept people even though they choose to live their lives differently. And I'm, I'm very grateful to have that. Mm. Oof, that was a lot. <laughs> well, yeah. And it's, it's what you said something, you said a couple things in there that I really want to anchor for, for the people that are listening from, you know, a, a personal side, but also from a business side is that the seed for Kedish was planted before the internet. Like, let's think about that for a second. Like, this idea was was planted and you launched in COVID, right? So like the incubation time, like this idea had been like marinating in your soul for a while and eventually came to fruition. And I, I really want people to to hold on to that because that's, you know, it's easy for people to look at the social media and the accolades and the awards and the brand partnerships. Like I know you just partnered with Anthropology, which is a huge honor and like all the accolades that you've had and the, the investments that you've gotten. And, and, and it's easy for people to look at that and say, good for her. That's great. But I could never do that. But what they're not seeing mm -hmm. is how long you know, this has been growing in the background and, and it's the consistent effort and holding on to that, that vision. And the other part, which I thought was so interesting, which got me like a little choked up was um, the idea that uh, by keeping this to yourself for fear that, you know, your family might uh, be angry with you is that you rob them from the opportunity to play that role as a parent. And like, we don't often think about the other part of the equation. And it just, even for, for myself, like I know I've had conversations with my mom and she's just like, I had no idea, you know? And, and I never, I never stopped to think about, you know, how 
keeping something inward and feeling like you need to go through it alone robs people of their joy and their desire to want to support you. And I think that whether it's in your personal life or even in entrepreneurship, like you won't get what you don't ask for and people really want to give to you. They really want to help you. Right. And, and so that just, man, that landed for me in in such a big way. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. Yeah. It's something that I, I definitely have been working on a lot. I think for me personally, I've always been very independent, like, four years old, waking up early, making my own cereal, like uh, making my own coffee at like six. Like I've I've always been, I want to do it on my own. I can do it on my own. I've taken a lot of pride in that. Um, I think going through what I went through, I did, I took, I took pride in, 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 you know, being strong and warrioring through. And what I've learned is one, you could hurt people Two, you can rob people of that opportunity and two, you can rob yourself of, of, you know, a a fruitful experience, like, especially even as like a founder, you know, forget the medical side of it, but as a founder, it's been such a struggle for me to ask for help. But even in making this brand a reality, I had to ask for help. I had to ask for funding. I had to pitch the idea and ask for, for help from not only my investors, but my team and other founders around me. And now like I'm, I'm truly learning the value in stripping away that discomfort. And, and there is a lot of power in saying, I do not know I need help or I have too much, please, please help me. Where before I used to think that there was weakness and it's just, I'm learning, it's just not the case. Mm. So can you share the story about your investor pitch and how that came to fruition? Cause this is such a cool story and the way that it kind of unfolded. And I'd love, I'd love for you to share that. Sure. Um, so I, uh, I moved to Dubai about six years ago. I, I got an incredible opportunity to work for uh, a really amazing brand called Huda Beauty. A little, it was a little tiny brand back then. Um, and I I had some experience in the beauty space. I used to work for Sephora um, back in the States, uh, but I never had experience in product or product development. And um, Okay, let me backtrack. Before I got the opportunity, I actually came to Dubai on vacation. And I had been following this influencer, Huda Katan, for a while. And I'd really fallen in love with her. She's Iraqi-American, had such a strong presence on YouTube. I felt like, wow, like this woman has a similar background as me. I see myself in her. She's Arab-American. She loves beauty. She loves products. I'm obsessed. I came to Dubai. I had the opportunity to meet her. One, because I asked. <laughs> I had asked a coworker at Sephora, I'm going to Dubai. Can I please stop by the Huda Beauty offices? And she set up a meeting for me. And I ended up spending the afternoon with Huda and her husband and her team. And we met and chatted for hours. And about a month later, I went, I went back to California. And a month later, I emailed and I asked her for a job. And she ended up offering me a role in, in a role that I had 
no experience in product development, but it was my dream because I was obsessed with product. And I ended up packing all my stuff and selling my car, my belongings and moved to Dubai. And it was about, I think, two years into my role as a product development manager that she had posted a video online um, where she was talking about starting a fund. You know, she had had such a challenging experience raising funds for her business. And um, her business started with a small investment from her sister and other people that believed in her. And she wanted to start a fund to support other female founders. And I saw that video and I feel like that's what really sparked everything. That's when I first started to, you know, put pen to paper and really map out this business idea. I've always had a desire to build something for myself. And a lot of that had to do with feminine care, intimate care, but that's like, it really got my, my wheels turning when she posted that video. And I ended up working on the business plan for a couple months, vetting, vetting it with a couple of friends and close friends and family members. And yeah, I, I booked a meeting with her and I, I pitched the idea. And I think that initial meeting, I walked away feeling very grateful for the opportunity to have to just to pitch. And I was like, okay, this could go either way. It could, it could, she could say to me, cute, get back to work, like develop my products or she, or she could actually want to do this. And the, during, after the first meeting, she said, okay, this is good. Let's talk more about it. So it wasn't a yes. And it wasn't a get back to get back to work, but we ended up meeting a few, like, no, more than a few, several times after that. And yeah, they decided to sign on and become investors and really back the idea in a big way. And I'm really grateful for the experience. I'm grateful that she believed in me. And I think her investment in me started when I first discovered her online, you know, seeing that a woman that can take a little vision and idea and a passion and build it into all of this, it, it, it made me realize that I could do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a great, it's been, a, it's been a great, a challenging experience at times, but a great experience. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the moment when you found out that it was a yes, that they were going to invest, that she was going to invest in your business? I'll, I'll say this. It was like, it was a yes. And then it was a no. And then it was a yes. And then it was a no. And so it was a really um, emotional process. Um, but I think the, the moment, yeah, the moment where I feel like it really became real was, it was, it was my birthday um, where she called me into a room and she said, okay, you've been working on both Huda Beauty and Kedish for I think like a year at that point. And she was like, you're done. You're done with Huda Beauty. I want you full-time on Kedish. I'm going to fire you from Huda Beauty today (laughs) on your birthday and we'll make you full-time Kedish. And I was like, what? (laughs) There's no going back now. (laughs) So yeah, it it was really exciting. And I feel really grateful that I've been able to spend full time because I know a lot of founders that don't, they build while they're, you know, in parallel with working for someone else's dream. And I'm, I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to throw myself all in to Kedish before we launched. Hmm. 
That's incredible. Like I, I, what a, what a gift. Did she know it was your birthday or was it just kind of a coincidence? Yeah, yeah. Oh, she did. <laughs> That's yeah, she did. Well, and again, it kind of, like you said, you said something really important that again, I really want people to anchor. And this goes back to before was that you asked, you said, I want to meet this person and you, whether you realize it or not, put yourself in proximity to be mentored by this person. And I think proximity is so powerful when you're building a brand and just ask for what you want. Right. I love that you, I love that you shared that. So, you know, it's easy to look at, um, you can do a quick Google search and look at all the accolades and look at all the success, but you also just mentioned that it's been really great, but there's also been some challenges. So what has been maybe, um, a challenge that you face that was a little bit unexpected or something that you feel like, wow, like, because of that, I've learned this, this, and this, and I'm actually like hindsight. It sucked at the moment, but so glad that it happened. I think that whenever you're trying to do something really different and we could, this probably goes right back to the conversation around taboos. I am a Muslim Arab woman launching a feminine and sexual wellness brand in the Middle East, out of the Middle East. And I'm doing it in a way that is not, you know, we're not shying away from much of anything, whether it's like our imagery, what we talk about. I mean, our first product was called the quickie for, you know, it's like, it's, we're, we're quite out there. I think something that was challenging there's a couple things. I think as a founder, whenever you're building something, you want everything to happen right now. Right now. You you lose patience very quickly. And although on the outside, it may look like we are big and expanding and we do, we have great retail partners. It's still very challenging. We're growing and, you know, we have good months and we have bad months and, and we are we are a brand that's trying to break a huge taboo and it takes time. Whenever you're building something of impact, you're not just trying to give someone, you know, instant gratification with a product. We're trying to change a mindset Mm. and that takes time. And I think for me, what's been challenging is remembering to be patient, remembering that the whole point of the journey is the journey itself. And that it's okay. It's okay to stumble and fumble and learn and and grow in its right time. And I don't know if I always accept that. <laughs> and I think that's the challenge. Um, I don't. I don't know if the people around me always accept that. So as a founder, just being steadfast and really anchoring to your mission and knowing why you're doing this when other people may doubt you because they're also getting impatient. Mm -hmm. I think that that's been the most challenging part. Mm -hmm. Mm. When you think about the bigger vision for, for Kedish, right? It's five years down the road and it's literally like you're waking up, uh, maybe you're in Bali and it's your birthday and you're celebrating a huge milestone for Kedish. Mm -hmm. What is, what does that look like? You know, when I first thought of Kaddish, my, my, my dream was very big and it was very, it, it was very big, but I had very definite goals. And I think the first was 
launching products, launching products that women can trust and can use and can can use to become more in tune with herself and her body. And so five years from now, I want to have a full product line that overarches, you know, all aspects of feminine and intimate health and wellness. Um, I also think the second pillar was creating a community. So creating a space where women could engage in the conversation and doing that in a, in a real way. And we are working on some things where I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping that that makes it come to life in, in a real and interactive way. I think the last part is, and it's always been the anchor and at the core, what I really wanted to do with Kedish. Um, and that's making a difference in communities that don't always have access and that don't, whether it's access financially or culturally, um, they are blocked from the education, from the resources, from the care. Um, and that's something that I really want to build into the Kedish mission, whether it's a part of the brand or something different. Like I said to someone a couple of months ago, I said, my dream is to have a Kedish van. <laughs> I want to just like <laughs> drive into these like communities and villages and, and bring access and bring resources to, to the women. Um, so I'm working on a van, I'm working on a van and a gynecologist that'll come with me. Like I, yeah, I have a lot of, I have a lot of ideas, but that like, yeah, the van is, I see the van in five years. <laughs> I love that so much. Like I can see it's going to be a sexy van too. It's not going to be yeah, like it, a creepy van. It's going to be like a really no. sexy, like bougie van. They're going to, they're going to want to come to the van. Yeah. It's gonna be <laughs> when you think about, um, you know, the 21 year old version of Iman and the mm -hmm. CEO version the founder, foundress Iman today, what do you think the, the biggest impact that starting Kedish has had on you personally? Like as this woman that you are today, what, what do you think the biggest impact has been? Oh, man. Gosh, so much. it makes me emotional almost. <laughs> Let me not cry. <laughs> um, wow. Kedish has had a way of putting, forcing a mirror up to my face every single day. I think because of what I want this brand to embody, whether it's empowerment and confidence and strength and support and, you know, a softness, but also like a fierce and boldness. I, and I, I, I said this to you before I, I really feel like Kedish is me and because one, because I put myself out there so much and become like a face behind the brand, but also because I've really poured myself into it. And so I think 35 year old Iman gets checked a lot and <laughs> on things that 21 year old Iman would never think of. Um, I'm not sure if we've spoken about this before, but I remember it was right around launch time and um, I was I was in therapy and I was I was about to decide to get a divorce. 
and my therapist who knows that I was about to launch this brand and she she looks at me and she goes, Iman, you are building this brand where you teach women to do X, Y, and Z and to be empowered and to make decisions and to make the calls and to protect herself and to do what's right for her. How are you going to empower women if you are not an empowered woman? Oh, and I was like, <laughs> okay, God, or whatever you believe. Like, okay. I know. I was like, oh my God, you are so right. Like, I can't just talk the talk. I can't just, like, I got to back it up and, and be what it is that I say. And I think that that has been a very challenging part of, of creating this brand, um, but also like a very, I don't know, transformative. And I think 21 year old Iman would probably be very proud of 35 year old Iman. Um, for one, all she's overcome and two, for just realizing these parts of herself and trying to do her best every day. <laughs> it's really beautiful. I wanna um, highlight something that you shared with me um, about the, the, the brand, right? And the, the, the women that you use to represent your brand. And when you first launched the, the marketing campaign that you did was you. So can you talk a little bit about um, the process that you had to go through to really embody Kedish and kind of what your um, what your values are when it comes to the visual aesthetics of the brand and all that, because I really want women to to hear this, because I think it's really important. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I think that you know, so much of what was lacking when we were growing up was uh, representation, and people say that a lot, like. A, oh, we want to make sure that our brand is representative of, no, like, I, I didn't want to just say it, I wanted to do it. And I think that in my experience, whether it was the products I was hunting for, or, um, you know, feeling connected to a brand or to a community, I lacked that. And I wanted to create a space where women no longer lack that, especially when it came to their feminine and intimate health. And so it was really important that we were not only creating products that women felt like they could use and they could connect to and that they were effective and all of that, but I wanted to make sure that visually we also stood in that authenticity and really represented the women in our community uh, in a real way. And so most of the images, if not all, that you see on our page on our instagram on all of our campaign videos they're they're not models that we hire <laughs> there have been a few but a lot of them I, I i hand select them um they're friends and co-workers and team members or me <laughs> uh one because we're on a budget and two because i want to make sure that we're real i want to make sure that we we represent the women that we are speaking to. And that when, whenever women 
see Kaddish, they can see themselves in the brand. So you'll also see in our imagery that we do not Photoshop, we do not Facetune, we do not edit or airbrush. We actually, we work with a couple of different um, photographers uh, here in Dubai. And actually all of, now that I think of it, all of our photographers so far have been men, which is, I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> um, but all of the photographers that we have used very much incorporate that into their style. Like one in particular refuses to airbrush or edit anything. And he very much aligned with, with our vision. And I wanna make sure that we continue to do that. I think it's important for women to see when we are talking about body and health, it's important for you to see real bodies <laughs> and what they actually look like and to feel like you can connect and you could see yourself you could see yourself in the brand that is talking to you and that is trying to educate you, but also help you feel seen and, and accepted. So mm. that's that's something that we continue to to anchor on to as, as we grow. And you'll probably see a lot of the same models because they're my friends <laughs> or me. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, it is truly a um, beautiful representation of, again, breaking taboos, like the whole theme of the conversation and obviously of Kedesh is that breaking taboos of what, um, what boxes society has put women in and feminine health and sexuality and education, like it's all things that are meant to be taboo, but really is is not right. These are conversations that we should be having. And I remember that reel that you had shared the video that you had shared about what women were, uh, I think it was, they were talking about their bodies or, and, and, um, you know, the, the gentleman that had edited it, he was, you know, sharing like his, his, his experience of listening to women talk about their bodies and how eye opening it was for him. So I'm curious, uh, I know that your brand is primarily for women, but have you um, noticed that it's also impacted kind of the men out there in the world and what's, how has it been received from that standpoint? Yeah, I think that that's been the most pleasant surprise in all of this um, is hearing the reaction from men. Um, it's funny that you remembered that that story about our video editor we did we had that video where we asked women a lot of very deep questions and he he spent hours hours editing this video and i'm sure he learned a lot um and that was that was one interaction that we had where he was like wow i never knew this i never knew that you women felt this way or that you went through these things and i know so i am so aware now um in the weeks after we launched, I remember it was like post COVID people were leaving the house. I went to, I'd gone to a wedding. I remember I was approached by a couple of different male guests where one in particular pulled me aside and he was like, what you're doing is so important, but men need it too. Like just, just like you, you women need this, but you women speak to one another, maybe not out in the open, you don't share on public platforms, but as friends, you guys speak to one another. And I know this because my wife or my sisters or whatever, us men, we don't speak to each other about what we go through with our reproductive health or issues we might be having, or even 
relationship or emotions. And he was like, we, we as men need something like this. Can you start a Mr. Kettish? And I was like, no, <laughs> let, me, let me focus on the, on the women first. Um, but we, we have started to incorporate men in the conversation. You'll probably see more of that from us. Um, we're always going to be a female focused brand because I just feel like it's the most authentic to, to myself and, and, and to our mission. But we think that men need to be a part of the conversation too, and that they need to learn as well. And so we recently, we put out a couple of videos where we asked men questions um, and we definitely want to do more of that and more around education as well. I mean, I think it's important for women to learn about the male body and vice versa. So you'll, you'll definitely see some crossover. Um, but I think, yeah, that's been, that's been an exciting and such a, a reaffirming response from the, from the male community is like, like, rah, rah, let's do this. Especially this day and age where we're seeing, you know, such unfortunate events with the reversal of Roe versus Wade and, you know, female bodies continuing to be politicized and controlled mm -hmm. and we're constantly having to bite, fight for our bodily autonomy. Mm. It's nice to see that we have male allies. Mm. Um, I think we need more, but it's nice to, to see it. Mm. It's so interesting. I'm dating and some of the, you know, men that I've dated in the past have daughters and they're like clueless, mm. like daughters that are like getting, you know, coming close to womanhood. And they're like, I don't know what to say or do. And so it's interesting. Like we, we think that uh, women are, you know, like for us, it's our own body. And we're like, I don't know, like we're not taught this stuff and it's up to us to learn it, but men are just as clueless. Right. And you got to think mm -hmm. about like, you know, men for the most part are in relationship with women and have children and have daughters. Right. So not only like, are, are we, uh, lacking real education and, and resources and understanding about like our bodies and the different phases that we go through and our hormone fluctuations, but like how, how much more um, supportive would it be to have the men in our lives understand also really what's happening, not only with their partners, but to normalize those conversations with their daughters as well, right? It's like really, right strong, healthy, masculine men are educated on the feminine and then create a container for safety for those things to be explored. So I, I can see how the way that you share, um, the way that you empower women is so beautiful, but it all, and it's inviting, right? It's not, um, you're not, um, I don't think that you ever really take a stance of blame or pointing the finger or shaming the media or any of those things. It's really an inviting space. And I think that that's so important when it comes to education is to make it inclusive and inviting to obviously women, but men are looking at it being like, oh, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Right. And hopefully it opens um, a conversation, like an opportunity or a window for a conversation between a man and a woman to be like, wow, I, I really didn't know that that was your experience. So I love that. Right. I think it, it, it is up to us. Mm -hmm. Like we have to open the door we have to make it more comfortable for men. I don't want to say that we have to 
you know, we have to like lay, lay it all out for them and, and make it easy, but we do have to make them feel comfortable coming into the conversation and coming into the space. I did a, I recently did a panel discussion with Unilever and Unilever here in the Middle East, they've just introduced, um, they've just introduced a policy where every woman, um, every menstruating person <laughs> receives one day off a month for menstrual leave. No questions asked. They turn their away off and they, they take the day. And um, yeah, we had a very open conversation where uh, male, men and women in the organization came and we talked about it. And I think that's, that's something that I definitely pointed out is that we as women, in order for men to be aware and open and the accepting caring supportive people that are partners that we may want in our lives like we have to open up that door for them and we do that by making ourselves aware and comfortable and and feel confident in the knowledge around our bodies so i think it's a mm. it's a cycle mm. yeah you know but it, it starts with us mm. what a cool experience i love hearing i love hearing stories about that that's so that's so incredible I feel like we could like literally talk all day. Like there's so many yeah, yeah. more like maybe we'll, we'll have to come back on for like a, a, a part two, part two. With, like the, like the fun dating stuff. That's always super fun to, to explain. Oh gosh, girl, <laughs> let me go on a couple, let me go on a couple more. Let me get some more material. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's, well, and you know, like imagine being a man, let's just talk about this for a second, dating a woman who is a, a founder, first of all, and, and so independent and self-sufficient, but like is the founder of a feminine wellness brand, right? Like talk about like, he better have his shit together, right? <laughs> Yeah, you'd be, you better be pretty uh, open-minded and, and willing to listen. And, yep. No, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I hear that sometimes like, oh, men are intimidated by women that, you know, have their own thing or, mm -hmm. I don't know. I find that to be such a cop-out and mm -hmm. well, it's I'm an trying to, right? Well, it's like, yeah. like what you were saying before, if there's, if there's someone that you meet and they're something about them triggers your worthiness there's a window there there's an opportunity there for you to check in with yourself and say okay like where's my opportunity for growth where, where where's the trigger like what is it about this person that's calling into question my worthiness and what are my beliefs around that what taboos do i get to break right so if a man is coming into your space and feeling uh, intimidated by you, right? It's not your uh, job to like lower yourself or meet him where he's at. And this has been the hardest thing right. for me too in dating. It's like, no, you stay grounded in who you are and invite him to rise up to meet you, right? And that's where right. the work, that's, that's every relationship is like, hey, we get to rise. We're not always gonna be lockstep. One of us might be, um, on a, on a, I'm trying to choose my words carefully. One of us okay. <laughs> might be in a space where we feel like we're on fire and the other might feel like we're in a valley. Right. And so there's always an invitation to like, come rise up to meet me. Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing, but yeah, dating and entrepreneurship are the two things for sure that will constantly have you looking at yourself, questioning, looking at your beliefs and mirroring back to you, the areas that you get to grow. Right? It's a beautiful yeah beautiful challenging very challenging oh that's great <laughs> heavy Love on the it. challenging heavy on the challenge <laughs> extra challenging so yeah. 
Um, I love you. This was such a great conversation. Thank you truly for being so open and vulnerable and willing to share some of the things that um, maybe feel a little tender or, um, you know, kind of like pulling the curtain back. I know it's going to give a lot of our listeners so much uh, permission to do the same. So thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much for, for having me and for yeah, allowing me to be a part of your community and for doing this. I mean, there's so much that I feel like we could learn from one another. And it's so powerful to see women supporting other women. And you've been so supportive of me and Kaddish. And so I'm just, I'm very appreciative. And next time we need to do this, like in Atlanta Somewhere. with some wine. Or, yeah. Or Bali. <laughs> or I mean, we could do Bali or Dubai. Like I'm open. Yeah. I'm open to <laughs> other locations, but yes, absolutely. And sidebar, I haven't tried the quickie yet, but the potion is like, Oh, I die. I die. Like oh the gosh, smell. I need to send you some quickies. Oh yes. I need to get some. Um, because I, uh, <laughs> I use them. I use things like that. So yeah. Um, anyway, for dating, it's for dating. It's very, helpful. It's very convenient. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I need some, I, I definitely need the, the Kaddish version. So for yes. women that are, uh, wanting to learn more about the products, maybe they want to order some, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, you can follow us on Instagram on Kedish uh, or find us at getkedish.com and you can order from there. We're also available on Anthropology, 13 Loon, a bunch of different retailers. But if you want to like come to the to the home, mothership, come to getkedish.com. I love it, guys. It um, the the that like I said, I haven't tried the the quickie yet, but. Um, you were a brand partner for Align and Rise, which was our virtual event. And um, we're so gracious to send us some of the potion, which is the, the oil. And I use it every time I'm on my cycle. And sometimes just whenever, like I just like the smell yeah. of it, but it does, it does give me an opportunity to just kind of pause and like nurture myself, you know, and really just like be with the experience as opposed to being like, ugh, this again. It's like, no, like let's just slow down and let's actually um, give love to the parts of ourselves that actually need it as opposed to, uh, just trying to wish it away. Right. Like it just reminds, right. it really does remind me to kind of like slow down and take yes. a moment and, and, you know, do exactly what we're supposed to do during that phase, which is just rest and, and chill out and adorn ourselves in luxurious oils that smell Oil. divine. <laughs> like it's such a ritualistic thing. Um, yeah. So it really yeah, is. you guys have to, have to, have to um, try the quickie and, and the oils. They're, they're incredible. Um, okay. Last question. And um, you know, there's no, there's no right or wrong answer, but what are you celebrating right now? Oh gosh, <laughs> what am I celebrating? Oh, we, well, I just, oh, I just celebrated Kedish's one year anniversary, which is like, we made it one year around the sun. It was like five days ago and that was really special. And I am celebrating some pretty big launches that are coming up soon. And it is very much like a full circle moment. And I'm really, I'm really excited for them. And I definitely will make sure to pause and actually celebrate because I think that's, that's important. Do you have a plan for that? Do you have something that you're going to do? Or, or is that go to dinner with some friends, have some have some champagne, yeah. <laughs> pop this pop a bottle that I've yep. had like saved in the fridge that's 
you know, like a, a really good, nice bottle. So probably, mm -hmm. probably pop that. I love that. I love it. And, <laughs> and many more to come for sure. Thank you. Thank yes. you so much. You're welcome, Iman. You guys, if you love this episode, which I know you will, because I mean, I don't even know how that time just flew by. Please <laughs> give Iman a follow, follow Kedish, share this episode with a woman you know would love it. And until the next episode, live your boldly courageous life. Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of. I would be so incredibly grateful if you would join me in this mission by sharing this episode with your friends and heading over to iTunes to leave me a five-star review. And until the next episode, remember to live your boldly courageous life. <laughs>